Today on Locked On Red Wings, 2024 player previews continue with number one D-man Moritz Sider, as well as Clem Costin and Andrew Kopp. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And Scotty, do you hear the ice cream truck? Oh, it's going away a little bit now. During your entire like opening, I have the windows open because it's like a nice day, and the ice cream truck just blaring the ice cream truck music right by my window. So if you heard it, that's the side. I was wondering why you were kept looking to the side, but I wasn't going to say anything. It literally started right when the we started recording. Like it, there was silence, and then boom, and boom. So a lot of the times when you hear things, I actually don't pick it up. At least through my headphones, when we're that's probably a good thing. Good I mean, mic. it is. There you I mean, go. We'll take it. Good quality mic. Is that one of those USB mics? Uh, n- not any longer. The old one definitely was, but the one that I used to hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So back on target, back on track. <laughs> uh, we're talk- going to talk about Mort Sider, Clem Costin, and Andrew Kopp and try and predict what kind of seasons they might have ahead of them. And we're going to start off with, you know, we started off these player previews talking about the most exciting forward. We're going to talk about the most exciting defenseman that the Red Wings have, that being in what? 2022 Calder Cup winner, Calder Trophy winner, Calder Cups, the AHL Trophy, Calder Trophy winner, Moritz Sider. Um, had a little bit of a step back in production his second year with the Detroit Red Wings. It was a, definitely a slow start uh, while they tried to figure out who the best to pair him with. But once they figure out pairings, his chemistry with Jake Wolman exploded in the second half of the year. He and Wolman were lights out along the blue line. Uh, he finished with 42 points in 82 games played, five goals, 37, seven, 37 assists, uh, a step back from his 50 points the year before. I mean, I guess the the main question, Scotty, when we're talking about, you know, Moritz Sider along the blue line, he's already the Red Wings bona fide number one D-man, With if you ask me. The question becomes, can he take another step forward, you know, make himself even better defensively and have even more points? Can he get back to that 50-point marker or even excel at that, you know, can he just, in general, take that extra step forward? Yeah, I, I think that is the the conversation around Sider at this point is not will he be a top pairing defenseman or is he going to be a namestay like a, a mainstay rather uh, in uh, in namestay? Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, is he going to be a mainstay in the Wings blue line for years to come? It, th- those conversations are, are all gone because the answer is yes to everybody. Now, really, the only debate is just how high is this dude's ceiling, right? Like, how good can he possibly get uh, is, is really the only debate left. And I think that this year will be a huge, huge year in determining that. Uh, something that will definitely help. We talked about it a lot during the year. A lot of people have uh, – it was a huge discussion point throughout the season is going to be that presumably he will be on a pair with Wallman the entire year instead of uh, 
I guess, pick your player, but specifically Ben Sherratt for the first almost half of last season where his production really plummeted and then he gets switched to a pairing with Wallman and his production took off. Uh, if you just look at month by month, his, his and I know points are not, you know, end all be all, especially for defensemen, um, but just his, his point production, he had two points in the entire month of October. Then he had nine in November, solid. Then he had one point in the entire month of December, 13 games. He had one point. January, the Wallman switch happens. He immediately has a 12 point, then a six, a nine, and then three points in seven games in April. So, I mean, you're talking about a, a huge uptick in production. We talk about how kind of stupid of a stat plus minus can be sometimes, but that's another one. At a minus 12 in November, but then February, March, April, January combined, he was a positive plus minus. So, like, it, it really was just a, a huge difference that was made uh, by putting Wallman on a pair with him. And if we're assuming that that's going to be, you know, assuming both of their health as well, that'll be the uh, the the top pairing on our blue line for the entire season. I think we can at least raise the floor of what we're expecting out of him, out of him this year just because of that. Yeah, I mean, the name of this game for Moritz Sider is about making it consistent. You know, he was yeah. great his, the entirety of his rookie season. Um, and the start first half of that second year was slow. You you went through it when he was paired with Ben Sherratt and other guys. It was kind of abysmal for a while there. Not necessarily out of him, but out of the pairs he was with. And then he, had, like you said, go, don't want to retread everything you just said regarding Jake Wallman. But Moritz Sider, in my eyes, what will to me mean that he has taken the next step forward is that he is able to lead the defensive pair, no matter who he is paired with. It's great that he played super well with Jake Wallman, but the year before he played super well with Danny, the Kaiser as his partner. So he needs to be able to do it all the time, no matter who he's paired with. And Ben Sherratt didn't help him. I'm not trying to blame Moritz Sider for not playing super well, when paired with Ben Chirot, because Ben Chirot has a tendency to leave his partners high and dry chasing hits and drawing penalties. Right. That is an objective fact. But I think for more Sider's sake, a lot of it has to do with being able to do it no matter who you're paired with, because you're not going to be able to be paired with Jake Wallman all the time. Injuries happen. You know, special teams happen. I don't know if Jake Wallman's going to be on the power play with uh, Moritz Sider, because a lot of these power plays nowadays tend to have one defenseman and four forwards. So, you know, he's going to have to be able to develop chemistry with no, no matter who it is and be able to change the way he plays, depending on who he's playing with. Um, that being said, I think he is fully capable of doing that. I think he absolutely will take a step forward this year. I think production will go back to being 50 plus like it was the year prior and a full season with Jake Wallman, assuming injuries don't happen, will only serve to benefit him and Jake Wallman as a pair. And as they solidify that chemistry, they'll become just, I mean, we saw it at one point last year, they were, they had one of the best expected goals for percentages. I'm sorry, expected goals against in the league as a defensive pair. Uh, and I think that they could definitely do that again this year with a full 82 games under their belt, hopefully as a defensive pair. I I, th- I have nothing but high hopes for Moritz Sider as a defenseman and as an off, like an offensive threat in the offensive zone. For sure. And, and I, I'm very, very fascinated on how he looks in this new revamped power play as well. I mean, we added so many, uh, whether they were top end, 
uh, like Debrinket or whether they were more depth pieces, like they, they really went out and tried to address the special teams. And so I think that, you know, you mentioned a little bit there, but I, I'm really fascinated in how he looks on the power play, whether that's with the first unit or uh, I don't know, I guess there's an outside chance that Ghost gets the top power play unit and Cider gets the second one. That's a conversation, I guess, for as we get closer to the season. But uh, regardless, I, I'm I'm very excited about the offensive upside and, you know, the, the better the defenseman that he's going to be paired with, which again, Wallman is uh, probably a, the, well, I guess now with Ghost, maybe it's a conversation, but is uh, at least last year was certainly a top two defenseman on the team. And now you're, you're talking about a full season of those guys together with the chemistry they built last year. I'm really excited about defensively too. I'm expecting a huge year, honestly. Like I, I, I don't want to get like ahead of myself or expect too big of things to where like he can have a great year and like have it still be a quote unquote letdown. But like, I, I really think year three is where we see a lot of young stars take off and he kind of has, everything around him falling into place to really take advantage of that and actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited for year three and Morris Sider. Uh, the last year of his ELC, and if he plays his cards right, he could be running into a nice, I don't know about lengthy, because Steve Eisman doesn't like yeah. length, but a nice uh, price tag on that extension he could be getting, uh, given how well he has been playing. And I just think he's going to be absolute dynamite for the Detroit Red Wings for the next however many years he plays hockey. Because I years. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Um, but with that, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to move on to talking about Clement Costin and what we expect from him. We kind of talked about him a little bit when we brought him in, but we'll extend that conversation here next on lockdown red wings. But first I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long, because right now when you bet on a super bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about player predictions for the upcoming year. Player previews is actually how we like to phrase it we're gonna move on to clem costin now and we've talked a lot about him at length so far scotty due to the fact that you know they traded for him and then extended him uh and then also you know we've just just on a myriad of different things talking about the new guys and we're gonna talk about him again today uh what are our expectations with clem costin i think in our lineup conversation we kind of expected him to be a bottom six forward with the detroit red wings but the fact that he you know maybe was a little bit sheltered with the Edmonton Oilers and sheltered with the St. Louis Blues with how pertinent, but one, how potent the Edmonton Oilers offense is. You know, he'd never really got an opportunity himself to play up in the lineup. And then with the St. Louis Blues as well, I mean, you know, he played, what, 46 collective games there and had 10 points. But there's this belief here in Detroit that maybe there's more to him than meets the eye. I guess that's the question, Scotty. Do you believe that there's more to Clem Costin that meets the eye going into the 2024 season? I mean, it's I, I can understand the the, the mindset. I'm not gonna like go on a limb and say that you know, this dude's gonna put up a 20 goal season or anything. But like, if you look at what he did in in less than 60 games, he put up a 10 10 season. Like that's very respectable for a guy who also averaged 10 minutes of ice time a night. Right? Like you're 
that's that's great production, honestly, especially from a bottom six forward. That's that's fantastic. So I I do like the the I mean, we talked about it when we first brought him in. Like we were fans of of the move. Not that it's a game changing, like franchise changing or altering addition. But like, I mean, this is a this is a really solid depth forward. And when we talk about adding to the depth of this organization and, and we talk about the teams that go really far into the postseason and how vital and important depth is to all of those teams and how the teams that just have the top end talent and not really the depth seem to get bounced early every year, right? Like that's clearly a, a reoccurring pattern in hockey and has been obviously forever. And so anytime that, w- that you can go out there and, and very clearly address that depth, I'm going to be pretty happy. And not only just this move, really the entire free agency period, was all about addressing depth and especially forward depth at that. So, yeah, I mean, this is uh, – he can play center if need be, right? He's probably going to slot it on the wing most nights. But if you really, really need him to, he has the ability to slide over and play center. Like, uh, again, a 10-10 season in, in 57 games. Like, that's a we'll, – we'll, I'll gladly take that type of production from a bottom six forward. And then my favorite stat, hits, right? He would have been third on the wings in hits last year. He had ended with just under 160 hits, which obviously this is not a very physical team. That's not like an unbelievably high number. Oh my goodness. This dude is just a wrecking ball down there, but like adding physicality, some decent goal scoring in, in, you know, the third or presumably fourth line and, uh, and just solid stability down there. I, I can't really find too many things wrong with this addition. I think it's a, it's a really good depth piece to have. Yeah. I mean, you kind of laid it all out there. He's a, big he's heavy he lays the body out and his production isn't bad considering where he's gonna play you know 21 points in 57 games you you put him in the trailing's uniform and he gets i mean he might be a healthy scratch candidate sometimes but like i said there is a belief amongst red wings fan base and you know we have a tendency like every fan base to overestimate for sure um our own players but that he might because of the fact that he's a left-handed left left side guy and the red wings are struggling with depth in that category um, and you, you know, you struggle with the chemistry on those top two lines because you to plays left side. Perron plays left side. They're both goal scorers. You can't put Lucas Raymond on the right side with the on the left side, blah, 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 this, that, and the other Glenn Costin might end up falling into a top six situation. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's what people have been saying, given the fact that he brings that type of play to a line and that balance to a line that these top lines otherwise don't have, because you can't have a top line that's just filled with goal scorers because you, somebody has to be able to get in the corner and dig the puck out. And Clem Costin's that guy. So there is this belief that maybe he could be a dark horse for that type of situation. Personally, I don't believe that's the case. I think he's going to stay in the bottom six pretty much all year. And I think he's going to do a pretty dang good job in the bottom six. I think everything you said about Clem Costin is pretty much where I'm at as well. I mean, he's got uh, now a two year deal with the Detroit Red Wings at $2 million to prove two million dollars each year to prove that he is a worthwhile bottom six uh forward and he's 24 years old so there might be still a ceiling that has not been hit but i just think with everything we've seen thus far you know 57 games and 21 points with the edmonton oilers you know i think if you can get 21 points out of him again in the bottom six while he's laying the body out that's great another thing that's great about him too scotty is that he draws his his draw rate for penalties is fantastic. Not him taking penalties, but him dr- getting opponents to draw them. So that clearly indicates he's a frustration type guy, and that 
fills a huge need with the Detroit Red Wings. You know, they, they lacked a lot of grit. Their grit per 60 last season was, you know, <laughs> lowest. Grit. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about how much they got bullied by the Minnesota Wild and the Ottawa Senators. Grit is still a much-needed thing in the NHL. I don't think it has as big of a place as it did in the 90s and the early 2000s anymore. You can get away with having just a few of them on your team, but you still need them. And Clem Costin, like I said, fills that role on the forward side of things because he's not afraid to lay the body out, and he's good at drawing penalties and frustrating opponents. And in the meantime, we'll get you 20 points a season, which out of a bottom six forward, I can't really complain too much. So overall, and- I think expectations aren't super high, I think, but I think our expectations are realistic. Yeah, and again, like that's that's 21 points in 57 games. Like, and and, and not that he won't be, you know, healthy to every once in a while, and injuries are certainly bound to happen at some point. But like, that's you know, if you do my favorite thing and prorate it, like you're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about a pretty solid season. And then even going back to his age 22 season, that's that's nine points in 40 games is obviously not quite the same clip, but that's that's 17 less games and. Uh, you know, 10, 11 less points. So like you're, you're, you're talking about a, a guy who's shown the ability to score goals on the, on the bottom uh, of your forward group and, and also still facilitate the puck. And yeah, I, I don't really have too much else to say. I just, I, I think in terms of uh, in, in terms of depth signings, this is pretty much the, the prototype for what the Red Wings need out of a bottom six winger right now. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that worries me with Clem Costin is that, you know, his even strength defensive goals above replacement is uh, not very good. It's not like super damaging. He's not like a defensive liability every time he goes out there, but it's still definitely not in an area where I'm, you know, excited about it. And he's not going to play any special teams. So he's like strictly an even strength guy. Right. And even at that, most of his value is going to come in the offensive zone. He's going to be a pain in the ass in the offensive zone. But once you get outside the offensive zone, it, it kind of is worrisome. So there's a little bit of a dim- dimensional issue with him that I'm concerned with. Um, but we're not going to know until we see him, right? Like this is, we talked about this when we introduced him to the team, like to, on this podcast. It's like, we're not going to know what Clem Costin is going to contribute to the Red Wings until we see him. We're making everything that we've said, we've made a lot of guesses based on numbers and metrics that we've seen and just the limited amount of playing time that we've seen from him. We're making a lot of guesses, a lot of estimations. So we're not truly going to know until he starts playing hockey games. I hope and I believe that it's going to be a pretty adequate bottom six forward, but I wouldn't go beyond that. Yeah, agreed. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to move on to talk about Andrew Kopp. Yes, the much controversial center that the Red Wings signed last offseason. So stay tuned to Locked on Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Scotty, you're a big defender of this next guy we're going to talk about, and that is Andrew Kopp. Last offseason signed a five-year deal, $5.625 million every single year for the five years. That's the AAV. It's not actually his salary each year, but that's the average salary across the five years. And uh, he came in with a lot of expectations. He came in off a career high 50, was it 50 points total, 52 points, something like that. Uh, 21 goals and Red Wings were looking for that. And his two-way forward, two-way center capability with his ability to win face-offs. And uh, we didn't necessarily get any of that. Uh, the first chunk of the year, he was recovering from core surgery, didn't play any preseason, didn't have any training camp. 
basically came out on opening night and boom was slotted in the two C. So he struggled early on Scotty, as we are well aware, it's been well-documented as the season went on, he got better, um, but still never kind of lived up to the hype that he was given. Finished the season with 42 points, 33 assists and nine goals. The assists was good. The playmaking ability he provided last year was solid. The most amount of assists he ever had in his career. And he, Broke that by about seven points. Goals, though, took a huge dip. Only having nine goals. He needs to get back to the double digits, Scotty. That's the biggest thing for me is he needs to score more. Yeah, and, and you know, even even me as uh, as someone who <laughs> very much got the the title of, of being a huge cop defender throughout the season, um, that is one thing that never came back, right? Like, I, I came on here and said all the time, you know, from January on pretty much like, wow, he looks way better. Like the first two or three months were awful and and nobody's going to deny that. But he did like look noticeably better as the season went along. The defense came along as the season uh, progressed. And the faceoffs was another huge thing that at the beginning of the season was not like doing very well. And then by the end of the season, he crawled his way back and ended at about 50 percent. So like it's uh, it, he took steps forward and, and kind of recovered nicely in every other aspect of the game but the goals never came back like the most goals that he had in a single month was three like he it just it, it never uh that that part of his game never um never came to fruition last season so that's I mean uh, yeah I don't, I don't think anyone can really stand in the way of that that's something that very much this team uh, especially if and I know you and I have gone back and forth on who's going to be the 2c on opening night whether it's him or Comfer uh I, I mean if if I would really like our two C to be able to score a, a goal. So like <laughs> that's, you know, if, if, if that's going to be uh, something that he takes and runs and, and really wants to, to uh, solidify himself as the two C for this team going forward, that's a, a huge part of his game. And obviously, like I said, like I, I think the defense was way better in the second half than it was in the first half. The faceoff percentage was way better in the second half than the first half. The playmaking was good really throughout the entire season, but even took, I, I mean, objectively got better from January on, you know, a couple of 10 double digit point months there, almost all an assist though. And so uh, I, I'm with you that the one thing that, that he really needs to prove this year is that he can get back I, I'm not, I mean, his career high was, was that year before he signed with us, right? Like I'm not even asking for necessarily a, a 21, 22 goal season. If he can just get back to the 15 to 20 range, I think that a lot of people will be um, a lot more on, and then obviously he brings everything else around scoring that, uh, that we signed him for. I think people will be a lot more, uh, will be a lot more pleased with, uh, with, with what he brings to this team. Yeah. I mean, We've said all season long, especially late in the year, that this year was going to be that year rather was going to be a mulligan year for Andrew Cop. We are going to not judge Andrew Cop's contract and performance based on that first year because we know how long it takes to fully recover. Being recovered and being 100% are two different things when you're talking about core surgery. You can be recovered and yeah. playing your, your professional sport and not be at 100% for months because of core surgery, because of the way it affects everything about your game. And we've talked about how, I mean, this is a guy who we're giving a mulligan for his first year, yet he still produced the second most amount of points he ever did in a given season at 42. Right. <laughs> like, his playmaking ability was still good. Like, his assists were great. Like, he was, it, as a number, were great, rather. Not necessarily individual plays that led to the goals, but his assist numbers were great. 
33 assists, 42 points. Now, if you, like you said, if you elevate that to 15 goals, now you're looking at, you know, an extra, you're looking at another 50 point season out of Andrew Cobb. And that's great. That's what you need. You preferably, if you can get the 21 again, 20 or 21 again, that'd be even better. Cause then you're having, you know, a, a 20 goal, uh, 53 assist split. And that's, that would be even more, uh, that would even he, be better for the Detroit Red Wings. If he goes out there and puts up and let's say a uh, 18 goal, 30 assist season, but is back to being like a 53 to 55% faceoff winner and gives you plus defense. Is that a win? No, that or is, is that still not win. enough production. That's an absolute win because that's more in line with what he had done. In fact, that's For still sure. actually more than what he had done across his career numbers wise. If you count those together, you know, he might never reach that height again and he might fall off of the two C role and either fall into three C or the wing role. And that might end up being an overpay. But I think in terms of, I mean, one, it was the free agent market. You're going to overpay no matter what. That's uh, a bummer. Um, but I think that his production goals-wise can return. I think his assists can stay, remain the same. I think his face-off percentage can improve. And I think he'll be a plus defender. I have far from given up on Andrew Kopp. This is, in my opinion, and this, there's going to be plenty of people who disagree with me on this, but like this is the first year I'm actually judging Andrew Kopp based on his performance on the ice. Because it was just so hard to judge what we saw last year. Yeah, well, I, I mean, at the halfway point when we were doing midseason grades, I I had literally said I I'd said something along the lines of, you know, like the, the first was really not good. And, and uh, at the end of the season, we talked about like if you split the year exactly in half, you're talking about almost two completely different players. Like that's how bad the first two months especially were for him uh, just all around. And um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if I am I'm confident that we are going to get at least the plus defender and uh, a guy that's uh, a much bigger threat in the faceoff circle. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say very confident, but I'm fairly confident. We'll say that we are going to get that player back this season over the course of the full season. Uh, the, the, the one thing that everyone's hung up on and, and myself included is just what is the peak of his goal scoring ability? Cause um, I mean, if he's going to be in the single digits for goal scoring, then he's no matter how good of a defender and, and faceoff winner he is, he's not going to be in the two C role for long. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other question is long term is like, is he the two C or is JT Com for the two C or does Marco Casper take over? Like with especially right. with the, the coming of Casper, like he is going to be here sooner rather than later, we think. Right. Like maybe maybe not like opening night. But like he made like the this. roster in the middle of the season last year, played Before one game, looked fine. Marco Casper, uh, not like oh he's up for a game because someone got hurt. Like a legitimate part of the roster before or after American Thanksgiving. So, I I just think that a long term cop's probably not your answer at two C, but he will be going in is what I believe. I I still think that. Yeah, it could be a competition between him and Comfort. I don't know because I know you're more of a Comfort guy when you're talking about two C now. But yeah, I just think comfort. that the the offensive upside is higher. But like, and and I think that having a, a defender that's going to be as as good as Cop and kind of leading your bottom six, for lack of a better term, as as the three C would be would be really nice. But I, I don't. I, again, like I I mean, I, clearly I have no issue if on opening night Andrew Cop's the two C. I. I, I think that we'll certainly see a lot in camp and in preseason that'll kind of help form our opinion of that too. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that about does it. Just to give you a quick recap, uh, more at Cider, we think it's going to take another step forward, uh, get more consistent. Production is going to jump back up to the rookie levels. Uh, Clem Costin, we think that whether or not there is actually something there that Red Wings fans, because Red Wings fans tend to think there might be with Clem Costin, I still think he's a bottom six forward. I think production is going to be okay. I think he's physical. He brings some grit. Uh, Andrew Cup, we think, is going to have a bounce back year after the core surgery kind of really hampered his production in the first half production is going to return face-off percentage is going to return and he'll be a plus defender. Agreed. All right. Cool. <laughs> every single one on the Red Wings, every single player on the Red Wings is going to be, you know, an all-star this year. And this team's going to have, yeah, everyone's going to get better. Uh, no one will get hurt or regress and it's going to be awesome. Isn't optimism a fantastic thing? I love August. <laughs> we can just say whatever we want, right? Yeah, like, we get, the Wings are going to win the cup. Who's gonna yeah, stop? let's go. You know, like what? Oh, you're wrong. Really? Oh, you're going to remember? You're going to remember this? Oh, they're know, going to clip months that. You from now and really no, bring it back up? Really? Don't say that. Don't no, say I know. that. Tr- they will clip it. Trust me. I'm very aware. I'm very, very aware. I've, All I've, right. uh, yeah, I've had several sent to me across uh, both shows I do. Well, this is for fun. This is fun. Scotty. No, well, and again, like we're at a point where, uh, and especially when we get back to preseason, I think that's when a lot of these will go from just like, oh, you know, we can look at the numbers last year, talk about what our gut feeling is, basically, is all this is on who's going to be like better or worse than what they put up last season, whereas preseason will actually be like, okay, like, doesn't matter what his numbers were last year. This is how he looked tonight. And I think that that's kind of just the next, uh, the next, I don't know, point, the the next date, the next uh, part of the timeline that we're trying to get to here. Absolutely. You're spot on, Scotty. Uh, so any final thoughts, dude? I don't think so. We ball. We do ball. We'll be back with a new episode on Monday. So stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. See your team. Every day. Every day.